Uh, we'll go to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. I'll, before I tell you what I'm preaching about tonight, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, and then I'll uh, kind of explain the subject that we're going to be talking about tonight. But uh, Exodus chapter 18, in verse 13, it says, And it came to pass on the morning that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and His law. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou shalt not be able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, so it shall be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said, And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. So right here in the Bible, we see basically a court system that was instituted. We see how what was the ultimate authority? Anybody? What was the, God was the ultimate authority in the word of God that he gave that he gave Moses. That was the ultimate authority. And then you kind of had Moses, who I guess you could say he was kind of like the supreme court. You know, he was the supreme court. Any of the big matters got brought they they brought it to him, but then they had other judges that were under him, of rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, or whatever. And it was something that God set up, and there were several reasons for that. And really, when you stop and think about it, it's kind of similar to what we have today, isn't it? We've got the lower courts, we've got the higher courts, and I think a lot of the stuff, you know, as it originated and as it was started, was based off biblical principles and things. But I want to, I want us to look at some things in here. What I want to talk to you about tonight is when to use the court system. Okay, when to use the court system. Because we've got a court system in America. And while there are similarities to what we see in the Bible, it's not exactly the same. And sometimes people, sometimes there's no way around it. You're going to end up having to go to the court system. I mean, and 
But uh, you know, at the same time, I think we're going to find out we're better off doing all we can to stay away from it. And I think we'll see why in the Bible. But first of all, you understand we do need a court system in this country. We do need judges. We need laws. We need all those things. And as much as I hate to say it, you know, we need government to a certain extent. And you all know how much I love the government, but you know, we do need, we do need some. To, uh, definitely to a certain extent. And in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, if you want to turn over there, we're going to read several verses in there uh, in just a little bit. But notice what Jesus said in Matthew 18 and verse 15. He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Jesus said, you know, if you have a dispute, and let me ask you something. I mean, do we have disputes quite often with people? I mean, there's disputes all the time. It's in our nature. Your children, if you have more than one child, parents, aren't you often playing judge over a dispute that's taking place? I mean, regularly they're coming to you, Mom, Dad, you know, they did this, my brother did this to me, my sister did this. You know, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, and you've got to judge and you've got to uh, decide guilt and innocence and you have to maybe administer punishment and sometimes you even have to create new laws to settle these things. And you know, when we look at the story, I know that there was probably, you know, many, you know, estimate there may have been a couple million people that Moses had led out of Egypt. But notice how in this story, Moses all day long is doing nothing but judging these people. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, as parents, you think about how it wears you out to settle those disputes with your kids. Imagine doing that with adults all day long. Well, it was, a, it was a terrible system that they had going on then. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, he saw this and he says, you've got to stop this. And he told him what to do and Moses did it. And it was a very good idea. And we just got to understand there's going to be disputes with people. There's going to be disputes in the church. There's going to be disputes in the family. How do we handle these things? You're going to have disputes with your neighbors. Husbands and wives are going to have disputes. I mean, we dispute with each other Quite often, don't we? And we need to have we need to have judges. We need judges. Verse twenty one of Exodus chapter eighteen. You know, he said, "Thou shalt provide out of the people able men." And he gave those qualifications there. They they were needed. What Moses was doing, it was just not going to work. And notice what he expected from these judges. And I think we should expect these same things. And first of all, I'm not. This isn't necessarily what I'm talking about tonight. But notice they were all men that he said to get. I know I'm in America and that's not politically correct, but I think that's good. Alright? Bible's right. Everyone else is wrong. Okay? And so, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. We don't need to, but it's pretty clear. Choose you out able men. And notice it says, such as fear God. Okay? I think it would be okay for us if we say... if. Uh, we're voting on a judge or whatever. Find out. Hey, are these God-fearing people? And I think we should have God-fearing people. Men of truth. You know? People that are telling the truth. Hating covetousness. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. People that hate covetousness. You know, we that's important too because um, many times people are influenced by money. Coveting things they don't want. And that will influence their decision. 
and you're wanting power, wanting popularity. I mean, you, you know how much I just went ape when our Chief Justice John Roberts, you know, allowed that uh, mandate in the health care law, ruled in favor of that. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I know there were several others that did it too, but he was one that nobody was expecting to do it. And he did, he caved. And I don't know why. I, you know, I don't know if he just didn't want to be the guy that took health care away from millions of poor people. I don't know why he did it. But, you know, maybe there was other reasons. But, boy, I sure, I, in my mind, I thought, this guy can't. You know, not, and it just it really bothered me. And we need, to be, we need judges that are very familiar. We, they need to be honest. They need to be God-fearing. They need to be very familiar with the law. And in our day and age, you know, people, the ones that are familiar with the Constitution, you know, it's amazing the things that get brought before a Supreme Court, and they are supposed to rule based on the Constitution, and how those nine people don't ever seem to, you know, agree on these things. You know, some things are so clear, and yet some of them seem like they don't have a clue what's in that Constitution, and they ought to know it frontwards and backwards. It's not that big. They ought to be able to. They ought to have it memorized as far as I'm concerned. But they ought to be completely unbiased, unable to be bought, and unemotional about these things. I mean, people that can look past the emotions of the situation, uh, you know, whatever the news media is saying, whatever, and just go off of what the law says. That's what we need from judges. That is their job. If anybody wants to get emotional about it and go off of what everybody's saying, let Congress do that. Uh, you know, the people that are voted and put in those positions, judges should just go off what the law says. And that was what they were supposed to do then. And that's what we should expect. We should expect that. We should demand that from our judges now. And the ones that we are able to vote in and out of office, you know, we ought to, we ought to vote them out if they're not doing it. You know, the Supreme Court, they get lifetime appointments. And the, I, I think, I believe one of the reasons for that is they don't want them having to get elected because then they're going to be out trying to buy votes all the time. And I think that's probably a good thing, except then when they stink, we can't get rid of them. But at the same time, I can see why they did that. But, um, so, but we, do, we need judges. Also, look at verse 14, Exodus chapter 18. And when Moses' father-in-law saw that he did, notice he said to him, what you're doing is not good. He said... In verse 18, Thou wilt surely wear away both thyself and this people that is with thee. When people have disputes, they need to be settled quickly. Okay? When your kids are having a dispute, you know, when do you, when do you deal with it as a parent? Do you deal with it just when they're yelling, or do you wait until it's broken out into a fist fight? You know? And if they break out into a fist fight, when do you stop that? When one of them's unconscious? When one's bleeding? I mean, you know, when do you stop it? If you don't take care of these things quick, it's going to get worse. There's going to be more anger. There's going to be more damage. There's going to be more emotion. And let me tell you, this is one area where our court system is completely off today is how long it takes everything to get done. Whatever happened to that part of the Constitution talked about a speedy trial with the jury of their peers. Speedy trial. I mean, people can wait years sometimes to go to trial on things. I mean, it's that is not only unbiblical, it's unconstitutional too. I don't know how they're getting away with that. I don't, I, I don't understand that one bit. But 
these people that were coming to Moses, they needed their disputes to get settled. Otherwise, they're going to keep arguing with each other. And it's going to get more and more heated. It's going to get more and more emotional. And Jethro saw us. He says, you've got to stop this. You've got to take care of these things quickly. And this idea of everything taking months and years in courts is not good. It is, it's terrible. And it's causing a lot of problems. And it's, it's wearing away the people. And I don't understand everything about it, but they do need to have them settled quickly. See, if you dispute, have a dispute with someone, though, look at Matthew chapter five, verse twenty-five, what the Bible says. Because you're going to have disputes with people. So, you know, as Christians, what should we do? Because I wish I could tell you how you can go through life and never have a dispute with anyone. But the only way that's probably going to happen is if you move to a private island somewhere and you never let anybody come on that island with you. But Matthew 5.25 says, Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him. Why? Why do you need to agree with him quickly? Why do you need to settle this quickly? Here's why. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. And the judge deliver thee, officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. When things get taken before a judge, things are probably going to be worse for you. Yeah, I, it, it blows my mind how many people are just anxious to take things to court, anxious to go before a judge. You are always better off settling things yourself with that person. And if you're having a dispute with your neighbor, if you go and you do something, if, if you you know are mowing your grass and you put a rock through their window, you go talk to them and come to some kind of agreement. Don't just be like, well, you threw that rock in my yard and that's why my lawnmower hit it. You know, and, and don't don't fight it like that. Otherwise, he might take you to the judge, and then you know what? The judge is gonna, you know, then he's gonna go and he's gonna say, Well, I got this window, and he probably got would have got the most nicest, most expensive one, and I had this company install it for me, and it cost, you know, twelve hundred dollars or whatever, you know, and then you're gonna pay more money, then you're gonna have to pay the court fees, and you're gonna have to you're gonna be worse off. Where you ought to just go to him and say, listen, alright, what can we do here? Hey, can I put the window in for you? You know, or, you know, can I just give you this much cash? You're gonna to have to do something and come to an agreement between the two of you quickly, because otherwise he's gonna take you to court. And you don't wanna to go to court, and that's why you settle it quick. But if you wait, you know what's, you know what happens a lot of times when people have disputes? They wait, and they let if you wait, other people, you know what they do? They go and they get all kinds of legal advice from their friends. Oh, well, you know what? You know, and they're going to tell them things. You know, don't come to any agreement with them. Just sue them. Oh, sue them. You can get all kinds of money. Man, he, you know that rocket could have hit one of your kids. It could have killed them. You can probably get some extra money for endangering you know, their lives and all, you know, all these things. I mean, they'll give them all this stupid legal advice, and then, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'm going to fight them. I want to get as much as I can out of him. And so you just you go and you settle it quickly before he can get mad at you. If you don't go over there and talk to him right away, if you don't tell him that you busted his window, you know what he's going to do? He's going to get mad. He's going to stew. He's going to call the cops. He's going to think all this. He's just trying to get away with it. He doesn't want to have to pay anything. I'm probably going to have to take him to court. He's going to think all these things and he's going to get angry and he's going to do whatever he can. But if you go over there and you're just, man, I'm sorry. What do I have to do to make this right? Who wants to sue somebody that does that? 
And the truth is, you did something wrong. You owe them something. You know, you hit somebody's car or, or whatever it is. You gotta take care of it between the two of you. Whenever it goes to court, it's always gonna be worse for you. And the Bible says, agree quickly. While well, I'm on the way with them, when you do something wrong, settle that dispute as fast as you possibly can. And you will be better off every time. See, unsettled disputes, they can cause problems for years and even generations. And I'm not talking about just, you know, your conflict you have with your neighbor, but things that don't get taken care of. One of the things that court is supposed to do is it's supposed to, you know, it's supposed to settle conflicts and it's also supposed to, you know, administer justice, whether maybe administer a punishment. Uh, there's, you know, administer a penalty for the crime. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. I want to show you something in 2 Samuel chapter 21. I think this is really interesting. And we're only going to scratch the surface on uh, scriptures that we could look at on this subject tonight. But 2 Samuel chapter 21, this is something that we need to understand about our court system. Part of their job, part of their responsibility. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 21, then there was a famine in the days of David. Three years, year after year. Okay, so who's king right now? David's king. There's been a famine for three years. And David, he's wondering what's going on. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. God said God was punishing Israel because of innocent blood that had been shed by Saul. And nothing had been done about it. No payment had been made. And let me tell you something. When evil is done, especially when blood is shed, Payment is supposed to be made. Remember, Abel's blood was crying to God from the ground. Why? A life had been taken. There needed to be punishment made. And one thing that our court system is supposed to do is they are supposed to settle, or they're supposed to, you know, administer justice, administer punishments for things. In the Old Testament law, you can see all kinds of examples. One of the things they were supposed to do, if they found a dead body, if they just found a dead body, out in a field somewhere. They were supposed to go and see what area or city it was the closest to. And whatever city it was the closest to, they basically had the jurisdiction of it. And then those leaders, those judges were basically supposed to try to find out who did it. And if they didn't do it, you know, they were supposed to do sacrifices and things because blood had been shed. They were supposed to... I, I don't remember all the details of it. I should have had the Scriptures for it. But there was some things they were supposed to do to basically show God that we are innocent. We have no idea who did this. Because if they would have known and didn't do anything about it, that would have been bad for Israel because nothing had been done. And here in Second Samuel 21, I'm not going to take time to read the whole story, but this is really a sad story when you stop and think about it. But nothing had been done about Saul slaying the Gibeonites. And so, uh, David goes to the Gibeonites. And he says, what do we have to do to make this right? And they asked for, I believe it was seven, yes, seven men of the sons of Saul to be delivered to be put to death. And they went and got seven of Saul's grandsons and they hung them all. And that sounds horrible, but payment needed to be made for that innocent blood that had been shed. And you know what? Whenever someone murders somebody, Whenever somebody does something wrong, 
our judges need to administer a punishment to those people. Something needs to happen. And what does the Bible say about shedding blood? Whoso sheddeth blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Or does it say, shall, by man shall he be locked up in prison forever? Now, this life in prison stuff makes no sense. Okay, And they need, I believe one of the reasons that we're seeing all the junk we're seeing going on in this country is because we are not doing anything about innocent blood that's being shed on a regular basis. I mean, we're doing absolutely nothing about all the abortions that are going on in this country. And, I mean, just one thing after another. And we're, gonna get, we're getting ourselves in trouble, folks. And, you know, the judgment of God is on its way. And it's, it's going to be bad. But unsettled disputes, it can cause problems for years. This is years later. Saul's dead. David's king now. But Israel is suffering because of something that hadn't been taken care of. And there's many other examples that we could go to in the Bible where years later, God had them deal with something from years before. There was a plague or a famine because of that. And so, you know, the world, it eventually is going to pay for all the martyrs. Go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altars the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Who's this? This is martyrs. Notice it says he sees the souls of them. Where are their bodies? Well, their bodies aren't there yet because the rapture hasn't happened yet. But their souls are there. And it says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? Holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until our fellow servants and also their brethren that should be killed and they were should be fulfilled. So we we know that in the you know in the final seven years there's going to be a lot of martyrs during the tribulation. There's going to be a lot of them. And God said, I'm not avenging your blood yet. I'm not judging the world for this yet. We're going to wait until the rest of the martyrs come. Until the final, you know, until the final martyr, I guess. And then I am going to judge the world. And then we have the period known as the wrath of God. And we're not going to go into that, but it's not very pretty, is it? But He's going to wait until the final martyr. And God is going to judge the world because of all that innocent blood that was shed. Also, look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Have you ever wondered why did, you know, why is there no temple in Israel right now? Well, it was destroyed in 70 AD. Well, why was it destroyed in 70 AD? Well, let's take a look and see why it was destroyed. Matthew 23, verse 29, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in those days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. And we see that happening in the book of Acts, don't we? That upon you 
may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias the son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not behold your houses left unto you desolate. And what? And we know that in 70 A.D., just 30-some years later, the Romans came through and wiped out their temple. And you know what? They've never had one since then. Why did that happen? They were paying for the blood of righteous Abel to Zacharias. I always thought it was coincidence, like from A to Z. You know, like all, all of them. I don't know if that was on purpose. You know, they probably got a different alphabet, but uh, I don't know if Abel was the first one and Zacharias was the latest one that happened, but I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a coincidence. But all of those ones, God was dealing with them. But you know what? There's been a lot more martyrs since 70 AD, hasn't there? And guess what? They're going to get, they're going to get their comeuppance uh, probably before too long. And so, because um, God has to judge those things. And there are things that are going on in this world that God expects us to judge. God expects our people, our judges, to take care of these things because payment needs to be made and it needs to be made quickly. And when we don't, there's consequences for it. And so for Christians, what, what about when we have disputes? When we're dis, you know, especially when we're disputing with each other, whether it be as church members, whether it be uh, you know, even, even as family, as a husband and wife. But I believe first, Christians... Go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We'll go over there for a little bit. Matthew chapter 18. And note, we read this verse before, but it says, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee... And that shouldn't be a surprise. Brothers, we have conflicts. Brothers in Christ and real brothers. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Now, I wish Baptists would figure that out. What do we usually do when somebody trespasses against us? We tell everybody else. <laughs> we don't even go tell them. A lot of times that person, they don't even know they did anything wrong. But everybody else in the church knows that is not what you're supposed to do. You can guarantee that will make it worse. Tell him alone. If he shall not hear, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So when there's a dispute, first thing you go privately. You go to them. If you're having a dispute with somebody at work, go talk to them privately. If you're having a dispute with your boss, go talk to him privately. If we would learn that, just go talk to people privately. Do that first, and especially amongst Christians, do that first. Go discuss it with them. A lot of times you can solve it just like that. I mean, you know how many people have sat around and they've simmered for weeks and even months gossiping and backbiting somebody in the church because of something they did and that person didn't even know it and then they finally they go and they talk to that person and it gets settled just like that. But now you've got everybody in the church hating that person. You had high blood pressure for weeks and months and you, I mean, you racked up a pile of sins of gossip that God hates and if you'd have just talked to him first, you would have avoided every bit of that. You would have gotten more sleep. You'd, I mean, you'd be healthier. I just, it is terrible that we don't do that. But that is exactly what we're supposed to do. Go take care of it first. Then verse 16, But if he will not hear thee, 
then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And we see in other parts of Bible, you know, go get, you know, the elders of the church, you know, go get the pastor ever and say, hey, you know, we've got a serious problem here. And he's not listening to me. And one, I want to make sure I'm right. Am I right in this? You know, we never we never assume that we could be wrong about anything, do we? I mean, that that just never even crosses our mind. We, but we do that. You want two or three witnesses, and once again, you got to get people that are unbiased. Okay, you know, you don't go get your best friend. You don't go get one of your family members. You go get people that you know both would agree. These are clearly people that are going to be unbiased, and they're not, they're not going to care. Basically, you're supposed to get the type of people like the judges that we see in Exodus. You get people like that, and then. That way, every word may be established. Now you've got witnesses. Now if something happens and the guy blows up and starts fighting you or hitting you or something, well, you've got witnesses. Okay? You know, this, this could get ugly. A lot of times, when, um, whenever people uh, you know, get served and stuff, you know, they usually have a policeman do it, don't they? Why can't the other person just go, Ha! I'll see you in court. Well, because then there's going to be a knockdown drag out right there. You know, so they usually get a police officer, someone who's neutral. That way, a fight's not going to break out right there. And that's probably, that's probably a good idea. And, but then, some, and this is talking about amongst brothers, amongst believers. You go get people like that. But if he neglects to hear them, tell it unto the church. And boy, that's, you know, hopefully you don't get to that point. And you know, we're not going to get into this, but in Corinthians, it talks about sometimes you don't want to just go ahead and suffer loss. Sometimes we're better off just to suffer a loss. You know, what, you, we don't want to be bringing, bringing stupid things in here. You know, you open your car door and you scratched somebody's car in the church parking lot and you're having a dispute. You know, please work that out. We don't want to vote on, you know, who has to pay. In that situation, you know, we had a situation one. There was one time somebody backed out and they hit somebody else's car. They didn't see him. And you know what? The two people were adults and they worked it out. You know, they had insurance and all that, and got taken care of. We didn't have to bring it before the church. You know, that's a horrible thing for people to do. You don't want to get to that point, but sometimes you might have to. And then it says, "But if he neglect to hear the church, notice this part. Let him be unto thee." As a heathen man and a publican. Okay, now why would it say that? A heathen and a publican. Do you think they're going to listen to what the church has to say? Do you think they're going to listen to what a pastor or elders in the church have to say? Do you think they're going to listen to what the Word of God has to say? They don't care. Let him be as a heathen man or a publican. And what do you have to do with a heathen man or a publican? Well, you got to take them to the heathen court, don't you? You got to take them to the regular court. You know, I challenge you, you go out there to leave tonight and some drunk driver comes along and creams your car. Hey, listen, I don't like we I just heard a message about the court system tonight. I don't want to use the court system. Let's have me and you go take this before our church and let them decide. You know, and the pastor there, he's totally against drinking, period. And you think he's gonna you think he's gonna do that? You think he's gonna come here and let us decide? No. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Guy's drinking and driving. He's obviously heathen, right? So he, we got to take him to the heathen court. Sometimes you might have to do those things, but amongst believers, that's the last thing. But if somebody is a Christian and they won't act as a Christian, he says, 
let him be as a heathen. It didn't say he is a heathen or a publican, but you have to treat them like one. And sometimes you might have to treat people in the church like a heathen and say, okay, fine. Let's, we're, going, we're going to the worldly court. And that shouldn't ever happen, but it, it, it is going to happen because sometimes Christians act like heathens. And so, you know, now you're taking them to the heathen court. And then uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I need to turn over there. It says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? You know, if you start talking about judging things in a church like that, people look at, oh, are you guys some kind of cult or something? Why? Because we deal with our own problems. Y'all are like the Amish or something. Bible says, why would you do that? Why would you go before the unjust? Okay, I always refer to our court as a heathen court. I refer to our laws in our nation as heathen laws. And I think I've proved that from Scripture that it is. And notice the Bible calls them unjust. It just, it just blanketly calls them all unjust. And they're not, you know, anybody ever seen them recently open up a Bible in a courtroom in America? No, they they can't even handle the Ten Commandments in there. Okay, they're unjust. All right, but do ye not know that the saint shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of these pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. We would be better off taking the most unrespected person here, if we were to have a vote and say, who is the sorriest Christian of Liberty Baptist Church? Paul's basically saying, you would be better off having them judge than the unjust, than the lost world. Let's do that tonight. No, no we won't do that. And he said, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother and that before unbelievers? Paul said, you know, this is a terrible idea. Christians going before lost judges. That is the last thing that we should want to do. I mean, we ought to run from that once again. Sometimes you might have to. You might have to treat someone as a heathen or as a publican. But boy, you ought to avoid that at all costs. And we see here the importance of that, the dangers of that. And so, unfortunately though, so when someone doesn't act like a Christian, you can't treat them like a Christian. And an example too where even Christian people get themselves in trouble is in the area of divorce. Okay, now, listen, I understand you can't officially get divorced without court. Okay, especially without the heathen court. However, Christians are getting themselves in trouble taking disputes and things to the courts. And I'll show you in Scripture how... We'll go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I want to show you some things from Scripture that I think will kind of help you understand what's going on. And one verse too, I don't know if this is the most popular verse in the Bible. It might even surprise you what it says concerning divorce. But I want to show you a few things first about divorce. Because like, are you saying that the church should be able to settle the divorce? Okay. Now, churches legally can't grant people divorces. And the truth is, the church, the church, in quotations, used to do that, and that is, the Catholic Church used to do that. 
or and if you all remember, they well they wouldn't grant a divorce to Henry VIII, I believe it was, and so Henry VIII made his own Church of England, known as the Anglican Church, or which in America is the Episcopalian Church, because he wanted to divorce his wife. And fine, I'll start my own. And and then they get they gave him a divorce. Okay, churches have no business giving people divorces. And I'll show you why here. Mark chapter 10, verse 2. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation God made the male and female... For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And so, and then in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he said to them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth Adultery. And so we see here in the Bible that while it was legal for them to get divorced, it was never the right thing to do. And it clearly isn't the Christian thing to do. Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 19 and verse 18, Jesus, he's kind of, he's kind of repeating some of the same thing and he talked about how in the, uh, you know, in the beginning it was not so. It was never God's intention for people to get divorced. And I think it's safe to say through many scriptures that getting getting a divorce is not a Christian act. Would you all agree with that? That Christians are not supposed to get divorced. Okay. So let's say that Cassandra decides, you know what? I've had enough of you. Uh, I'm leaving. Okay. How how am I supposed to handle that as a Christian? Okay. Or I can't bring that before the church because they can't declare a divorce. So, do I go to the heathen court system and, and fight it out there? How am I supposed to do this? Well, look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 says. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. It's okay if she leaves. She shouldn't get married. That way, maybe she can get reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. Once again, reinforcing, don't do this. But to the rest I rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother have, hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. If you're married to a lost person, don't divorce him. Hang on to him. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not. And if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving... Husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. So in other words, if my wife decides, you know what, I've had enough with you. I, I want to leave you. I want to divorce you. Is she acting like a Christian? Is she acting like a heathen? Yes. And if you are married to someone who is lost, and I think it's safe to say, even if they're acting like they're lost, the Bible says, let them go. And how do we let them go? We've got to go to the heathen court system, don't we? 
we got to go there and they're going to break it up, whatever. And of course, as far as Christianity goes, as far as God's will goes, it is God's will that we get back together. It's God's will that she remain unmarried and that I remain unmarried with the hopes that we'll be reconciled. If she gets remarried, according to the Bible, we are never to be married again, according to the Word of God. And it's a horrible thing. It's a mess. But... You know, divorce does have to go before the heathen courts because divorce just isn't supposed to happen at all. But when it does happen, that means someone's acting like a heathen, aren't they? And the Bible says we've been not been called to bondage. We've got to we've got to let them go. And you know, and especially in America today, okay, you know, especially guys, okay. I mean, who has the power today? It's the women. And if your wife wants to leave you, you know you know how easy it is. My wife, if she wants, she could go and say, "I want to get divorced," and then she can go tell the judge, "Man, he made me wear skirts. He made me go to church. He made me..." You know. Oh man, they're going to throw the book at me. I'm going to be paying alimony. I'm going to be paying child support. I mean, she's probably going to get the kids. It's going to be bad for me, isn't it? it? Now, is that right? Absolutely not. If she's ditching me, that is totally unchristian. That's totally heathen. I should get everything. But do you think our court's going to look at my Bible and go off of that? Absolutely not. She's getting it all. So what should I do? Well, the truth is, when someone goes to court, whenever things go to court, especially divorce, the only ones that win are who? Lawyers. Lawyers always win. They're always going to tell you have a case. You'll be able to get everything. Lawyers are liars. Okay? And, oh, no, not my lawyer. He's not a liar. No, your lawyer's just good. At, he's convinced you that you're not a liar. Okay? That's, that's the ones that win, that can convince everybody they're not liars. But we all know they are, except for yours. Every lawyer's a liar, except for yours. That's just the way it always goes. But really, if that happens, why can't two adults come to an agreement? Why can't we do that? The truth is, if she were to do that, while that would be wrong, while she'd be acting like heathen, I keep using her too because you know it's usually the women that go bad, um, right? <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to claim. But the truth is, I believe according to the Bible and agreeing with you know she's going to become my adversary. Then she's leaving me. She's trying to take the kids. We're adversaries now. And you know what? According to the Bible, we ought to agree quickly before things go to the court. And the truth is, I believe almost any couple, so, and there are exceptions, there's crazy people out there, but I believe most of the time, we would be better off if we sat down and said, alright, how are we going to do this? How are we going to divide the kids up? How are we going to... We would be better off doing that. How are we going to share the financial burden? You would be better off doing that between the two of you than going before a judge and them deciding you are going to end up hurting yourself. And it. You know, people always think I'm going to go and I'm going to win. It's going to be easy. And it's not. They're going to be checking up on you. They can take it. You know, they can take your wages from your pay. I mean, there's all kinds of things they can do to just take away your freedom. You're better off working it out yourself. And I wish people can get that through their heads. And our, our goal should be to never go to court for anything. But there's going to be times and there's no way around it but most problems could be completely avoided if we would just start acting like adults. Quit acting like kids. 
You know, whenever my kids bring stupid disputes to me, I, as a parent, I want to make sure neither of them win in that situation. Because you know, they need to figure it out. Okay, you guys can't figure out whose turn it is to go to the bathroom? I don't want to judge those things. You know, figure it out. You know, who's going to take a shower first? You figure those things out. If I have to figure it out, I'm going to go drain all the hot water and make you both take cold showers. I'm going to make sure you're both miserable. And that needs to be a way. When I taught in the school, you know, kids were always coming with stupid stuff, and I would say all the time, govern yourselves. If you don't govern yourselves, you know, when they would play their games and stuff on recess, and they would come to me with disputes, if I had to go out there and start refereeing, I made sure nobody had any fun. That way, whenever there was disputes, I wanted them to not want Brother Tommy to have to come out and settle this because he'll take away all our fun. And I did that on purpose because they needed to learn to settle things themselves. And we've got to be that way. We've got to be adults and learn to take care of things ourselves and not go to the judges, not go calling the cops every time somebody throws some garbage in your lawn. People do that. They call the cops for every little thing. Come be, come be mommy and daddy for me. And go tell them you know, that they're, you know, they're, they were bad. Punish them. Tase them. You know, I mean, we do those things, and it's ridiculous. We need to grow up and start acting like adults. And so with that, let's go ahead and stand together.